0: You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow Podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow Podcast. I'm your host, Peter here today. David Brewers, currently in the midst of a doubleheader in Wrigley facing off against the Cubs, but finished up a solid week on the road, a couple of road series, Brewers faring well. Uh, a couple of players, obviously, landing on the injured list. We'll certainly cover that. Um, but what are your thoughts uh, this late May uh, into the 2022 season already?
1: Well, they say Memorial Day is when you can kind of first start looking at the standings. The Brewers right sitting there atop the NL Central currently. Great to see. Last year, we kind of took it for granted looking back that they were always going to win the division. But at this point, they were only about 500, and I think even the Cubs might have been in first place at this point in the year.
0: Yeah, Brewers certainly 12 games already over 500, uh, sitting at 30 and 18 in first place in the Central, three and a half up on the Cardinals, who've overall have had a pretty good start to the year as well. They're 26 and 21. Uh, so the Brewers set themselves up well. Uh, like you said, now we're at Memorial Day, so it starts meeting a little bit more as well. Again, Brewers have still had maybe a slightly easier schedule than most, but. You know, this past week, taking two out of three against the Padres, playing the Cardinals as well. So overall, Brewers have been playing well, especially given a lot of the injuries. Uh, So why don't we just go jump right into that? Of course, there's been a lot of players that have been on the injured list, some longer than others. David, we we were just talking before. Justin Topa on the injured list, uh, a name that I think we almost forgot about. Um, He's been there so long in a very unfortunate circumstance. Willie Adames, uh, who's going to be coming back shortly, I believe. Um, but David, why don't you tell us about uh, the, the spattering of players the Brewers currently have on the list?
1: Yeah, in addition to Adames on the IL, who should be back this week, Hunter Renfro went onto the IL with a strained hamstring last week out for about two weeks, so hopefully we get him back in short amount of time. And then the big blows, we talked about it, I think, a little bit last week on the episode, but we didn't really know the severity of the injury. Freddy Peralta is going to miss some significant time. With a lat issue, lat shoulder kind of area, so that definitely serves as a fairly big blow for the Brewers to to miss Peralta for a while. He he does say he expects to be back late in the year, uh, before the playoffs, definitely. So that can can be a, a positive maybe if the Brewers don't have him and he comes back a little bit more fresh. If the Brewers are able to make it to that point in a pretty uh, pretty easily ahead of the Cardinals in the division, but. Still, to lose one of your good starters, definitely not something that the Brewers would have hoped for.
0: Yeah, we didn't really experience it last year, of course, with Brendan Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta all having outstanding years last year. All of them, for the most part, stayed pretty healthy. I know Burns missed a, a, only two starts, uh, perhaps, across the season um, and just generally stayed healthy. Uh, but again, that's, that's expected. You can't expect to, to have five or six guys and make it through the year in the rotation so you know that does that that will mean brewers are gonna have to re- rely more heavily on on some of those other arms uh we'll certainly break that down further but like I said Willie Peralta, uh, Willie Peralta that was right on cue for uh for what we were talking about earlier I'll, I'll just throw out the, the the tangent in here now now that I said Willie Peralta Freddie Peralta is, is who we were talking about but uh David you were telling me uh this is probably not a great baseball story unless you're a Brewer fan but uh we'll we'll do it anyways
1: Yeah, on the website, MLB Trade Rumors, it compared Woodruff's injury to that of Peralta's. And the tweet that it linked said that Woodruff's injury was similar to Willie's, in quotes, something that counsel had said. And so we're assuming that the writer probably
0: was thinking about Willie Peralta and and mixed up Peralta with uh, Willie Adames. Probably the same person that mixed up Zach Davies and Kyle Davies. Well, that was... everyone
1: (laughs) even uh ken rosenthal john Heyman, i remember them tweeting about kyle davies being traded when it was really just zach davies being traded we we won't talk too much about zach davies right now he's in the news a little bit lately
0: yes but I, i think everybody has their bob nightingale moment um and for some reason it happens a lot around zach davies so like you said lots of lots of different things going on as far as the brewers injured list and Some interesting names coming up as well that we'll be sharing. Uh, Probably guys that you may not even be familiar with that are currently on the Brewers' active roster. Um, So, again, a lot going on. Last week, the Brewers, like we said, had a pretty good week, taking two out of three in San Diego against the Padres, and then a four-game series immediately after that in St. Louis. The Brewers winning that finale on Sunday and splitting the series. Brewers winning games one and four. Again, overall looking good. Uh, Sunday, Brewers were able to put up eight runs, Saw a home run from Jace Peterson on Sunday and Monday today, as we're recording here, back-to-back days from him. Locaine hit his first home run of the year. Uh, seems to be picking up a little bit offensively. Uh, and then, otherwise, Brewers, Tyrone Taylor's been good this year, and the pitching staff continues to be solid all around. So, David, we've already talked about the the injuries. Uh, they're really spread across the roster, but the biggest one, of course, being Freddie Peralta for the length of time, and then Brandon Woodruff. That c- combination of both of those guys out. Brewer is probably going to have to rely more on Corbett Burns, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, even Aaron Ashby, and newest Brewer, Ethan Small. But how do you think the Brewer's pitching staff is going to fare with the absences of Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta?
1: I do think that the Brewers are better suited than perhaps any other team around the league to deal with some of these pitching absences. Woodruff and Peralta being as good as they are, there is going to be a hit in terms of production, and the hope is that Woodruff only misses two to three starts. They... Kind of will reevaluate shortly, and and hopefully it will be kind of a minimum IL stint of about 15 days for Woodruff. But the Brewers calling up some capable arms to fill in for Woodruff. Ashby, of course, getting bumped into the rotation in light of the Freddie Peralta injury. But the Brewers called up Ethan Small to make a start today in the doubleheader against the Cubs. And presumably Small will then keep that starting spot while Woodruff is gone. So, nice to get a little bit of a look at Ethan Small, the Brewers' top pitching prospect. They did call up a number of other relievers. Uh, some of them were because of the injuries here. They they, they brought some of them up also because of the Mejia suspension. Gustave got hurt as well, and just some other circumstances. So, we're going to go through a little bit and introduce these players. Some of them have never been mentioned on the pod before, and some of them we've talked about maybe a little bit, but not much and to be honest, I didn't even know who some of these people were very well before recently. We can start with one of the arms who was called up today. That was Peter Strzelecki, spelled S-T-R-Z-E-L-E-C-K-I. Perhaps for the trivia question
0: today, we should have asked Peter if he could pronounce that. I did peak 7th grade on spelling b uh, Almost made it to, I think it was regionals. I don't even remember what that was, but but definitely peaked in 7th grade uh, uh, on spelling bee, but I would have been confident I could get that one.
1: Yeah, so Struzlicki was called up. He was a guy who was signed as a non-drafted free agent out of the University of South Florida back in 2018. Had a pretty successful run there as a starter uh, in the American Athletic Conference. And then has just steadily worked up his way through the minors since then, pitched some in rookie ball that year that he signed. Had a pretty successful run in Carolina and Wisconsin in 2019 before really getting a shot a little bit late in the year in nashville triple-a nashville last year and this year in 16 innings back at triple-a nashville he actually has struck out 26 batters across those 16 innings of work only seven seven walks so high strikeout guy 386 era um, is a little bit high for a triple-a guy being called up but the the peripheral numbers are very good so you have a little bit more confidence with um, I couldn't find a scouting report actually on him, so I went to his Twitter to see if he had tweeted any videos of himself throwing. And he's got some split or change or something that's absolutely disgusting, um, just devastating. And I I hope that we get to see that um, in uh, in the
0: major league level. Was that was that a changeup or more of a, a sinker? It it certainly had a lot of movement for it to be pro- to be a sinker. Probably was a changeup, but. Did have good stuff all around, uh, like you said. Uh, certainly, that was the the I think the the strikeout pitch, I guess you could say, uh, from the video. Slider looked pretty good too, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit slurve-ish, um, not quite a true slide slide ball, um, but. Those two pitches alone looked pretty good. It seemed to—I don't know if it was just a high fastball that he was throwing—and um, you never know exactly who was facing him in these uh, like random live AB bullpens that he's posting on there. Um, for all those, for you know, someone could, anybody could look at pitching against me if they're in Triple A or heading to the majors. But his stuff certainly looked really good, and like you said, the peripherals are there. I'm intrigued to see what he does uh, when you got a guy like him. He's not exactly a, a boring reliever. I think it'll maybe be some fun to see him pitch up there um i don't know kind of reminds me i guess of a jake cousins jake cousins obviously was a very good reliever didn't just have the stuff but cousins of course um had great stuff so i don't know uh i'm excited to see him pitch get in some games and, and see if he can continue to have success at the major league level
1: yeah another guy that they brought up recently was trevor kelly sidearm reliever he was actually part of our non-drafted free agent draft that we did at the start of the year right now peter's looking a little bit better than my team has uh, since he has kelly he also has mark Mathias. And a guy that was added to the taxi squad recently, Jason Alexander, uh,
0: somebody who was also on Peter's team. And for those that don't know the taxi squad, uh, remind everyone what the taxi squad is.
1: Taxi squad was something that they added recently, a couple years ago, that the players, there are a couple players that will travel with the team in case of an injury or a COVID IL placement or something, some reason that they need them so that they're able to have those players there and they don't need to fly them in right away. Uh, when they when they do need to call up somebody. So right now, reportedly, Jason Alexander and Luke Barker are part of that taxi squad. Right now, I think it's usually only about two to three players that are on the taxi squad. One thought I had for uh, Luke Barker, and well, I guess Alexander too, neither of them have ever made the major, so it is a little bit awkward where you weren't called up to the majors, but you were called up to be part of the taxi squad. So you're kind of waiting there, and there's a chance that they get optioned back or... Uh, or Reassigned back to Nashville without having left the taxi squad and actually appeared in a game
0: and do you get to live the major league lifestyle, but do you still get paid the, the minor league the minor league
1: lifestyle? I think so. I, I think you get paid minor league. I mean, I would assume that you get like major league per diem then, which is probably more than the salary of a, an average um, average. Minor leaguer, pretty meaning like the meal money that they get. I think for a, a road game, the average major league player gets a hundred and twenty-five dollars a day, but they have all their meals after like one p.m. taken care of for them at the field. So breakfast, yeah, yeah it's a it's good breakfast. Yeah, this, they say it's the most important meal of the day. So that is true. Hopefully, hundred twenty-five dollars could buy them something in in Milwaukee. May or may not be able to... Uh, I don't even know how you spend that much on a breakfast. A couple
0: of mimosas, I think, would yeah. be the only way... More than a couple, but uh, yeah, 125 bucks for... I guess if you want to call... If you want to lunch at noon, then... I guess so. You could split that, but I think Brewers are, are doing all right. But that is kind of a, an odd situation, like you said, where still getting paid minor league money. You get to be with the major league team. You're feeling like you're in the major league lifestyle, but not earning it, and you're not even you know in a spot where you can pitch either. So could a player end up being on a taxi squad for an extended period of time? Because obviously, if you are, you're not on the AAA team, and you're not pitching, and you're not in the major leagues either. So you're not throwing in games. Mm-hmm.
1: I think theoretically, but I don't know. I mean, we don't know who the taxi squad is. So it's really just whoever the reporters see around and enough see it enough to um, to be able to say something. But uh, I, I would guess that, 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 that they could. I don't know that there's a limit on it, but at the same time, um. Again, they wouldn't be getting any work in in games, so I think it'd be a little bit less likely that they would choose to do that.
0: Yeah, a guy that we have seen in games a couple of times, Luis Perdomo. Uh, again, we've talked about him a little bit throughout uh, this season and throughout the podcast. But tell us a little bit more about Perdomo and what he's been able to do on the mound so far.
1: Perdomo has had a, a pretty nice run with the Brewers so far. It was looking like a possibility that he was going to make the team out of camp, and he didn't. But he put in some nice innings at Triple A Nashville and has been called up since, thrown just over 10 innings, and he's only struck out three guys while walking two, but he's a ground ball specialist. He's gotten um, a lot of ground balls. I don't have his his ground ball rate pulled up, but a 1-7-4 ERA, so just two innings across those 10 and a third innings of work. Seven games that he's pitched, he can provide some length, kind of more of a swing man, and so he does provide value that way as as Perdomo um, comes in when perhaps they need somebody to pitch a little bit of length, after someone comes out of the game early, especially with Ashby and Small now in the rotation. Those are both guys that presumably won't go as deep into starts.
0: Yeah, we talked about the starting pitching have to pick up with Woodruff and Peralta being out, but the bullpen will as well, and that's a good point you make as well. Ashby and Small, we've already seen Ashby make those shorter starts. We were talking before the podcast that Ashby's 0-3 Uh, because he has the opportunity to get the loss as a starter, but typically doesn't have the opportunity to get the win um, with his shorter start. So the Brewers' bullpen will need to pick up the the slack a little bit as well. Perdomo, maybe that role you were describing reminds me a little bit of Brent Suter when he got moved to the bullpen initially out of that rotation spot as well where he was able to pick up a couple innings. You're not going to put him in a high leverage situation, uh, but he might be able to go two, maybe three at the most. Uh, for you to bridge the gap between the brewers starters and, and the back end relievers that we said by the way I'll, I'll i'll quick interrupt the pod brewers did actually close out game one of the double header again we're recording this here monday afternoon so josh Hader shuts the door by striking out the side to end the game one so brewers take game one obviously we'll see what happens in game two later today again we're recording this here on monday so so many new faces uh, so far this season and and still more to come that'll likely hit the field as well who else is there uh, Brewers fans can expect to see later in the year?
1: Well, one guy that we saw just today, Ethan Small. We talked about him a little bit, but for those who aren't very familiar with his background, he's a left-handed pitcher, he was a first-rounder in 2019 by the Brewers out of Mississippi State, and he's been hampered a little bit by injuries, of course, COVID coming into effect with, uh, in a, with the 2020 season that limited his ability to pitch in 2020. had a little bit of a, maybe kind of a minor injury last year. Uh, I think it was a finger injury that he had that prevented him from making all his starts. So he actually pitched in the Dominican Winter League last offseason where he was teammates with Albert Pujols, perhaps providing a little bit of a scouting report on Pujols. I, I guess I don't really know that they need any additional reports. They have, what, t- we have 22 years of data on, on Pujols, um, which, yeah. I, actually, I think now that i have thinking about I think I don't. I think when Pujols debuted, um, fastball velocity wasn't tracked yet officially in, in MLB. Was it were fastballs in existence when Pujols? Started? Well, if, if eighty six miles an hour was maybe <laughs> fast at that point, maybe that's how Pujols got all his uh, home yeah. runs was because he was facing eighty six. And this is very um, off topic, but if you ever watch a game from like two thousand seven, pay attention to the relievers. Not their Not only their well, mostly their stuff, I guess, but. Part of it, yeah, how hard they're throwing and the flames will come up when it's 95 plus, which is almost average now for a reliever. But also, like, everyone throws the ball down in the zone and there's a ton of sinker slider guys. Like, yeah, we have a fair share of sinker slider guys at the major league level still, but it is nowhere close to the amount of sinker slider guys that there were back in 2007 or 2000 or whatever it may be. They're all, like, these random righties at low three-quarter slots during like 86 mile an hour sinkers which kind of makes me think that i should have pitched in 2006 (laughs) instead of nowadays um but anyways ethan small he dominated uh through the minor leagues 178 era across 136 innings including a 188 at triple a nashville this year the walk rate will have to come down a little bit walked just over a batter every other inning so 21 walks in 38 innings that's going to be the real main thing that he needs to improve upon. Already walked four guys in two and two thirds innings in his first start, but did show, I mean, four strikeouts in the, the two and two thirds innings and uh, showed a nasty changeup that, that is kind of his bread and butter pitch, off speed especially. Um, and he pairs that well with a nice fastball that's got good ride through the zone. Uh, Miguel Sanchez, just briefly, we, we saw him a little bit last year, 4 1 5 ERA in 26 innings, but he got called up. He's um, pitched two and two thirds innings so far. In a couple games. I think he pitched today, Monday, as well, in a couple innings in relief. He's a guy that's also a, a big changeup guy. Throws in the low to mid 90s, um, but primarily relies on that changeup. And then the two guys that we mentioned earlier who are on the taxi squad, they're not on the active roster, but we could see them coming up to the major league sometime soon Luke Barker and Jason Alexander. Luke Barker's got a nasty splitter, and so far this year in AAA, he's he is 4 0. So he's got the wins down, but 19 innings, 19 strikeouts to eight walks, 379 ERA. Uh, actually, a little bit worse than he's been in the past in the minors, which almost speaks a little bit more to his, his track record that he has of success at the minor league level. He's really dominated at every level that he's gone to. And so even though he is 30 years old, you could see him potentially having a good impact in the Brewers bullpen.
0: Yeah, he was a guy that I know I, I liked going into the, the year. Again, is he going to be a. Uh, uh... A difference maker in the bullpen is is he going to be the next jake cousins probably not but i could see him being a a solid reliever and we do see that across the league but also for the brewers as well those sort of random pitchers that come onto the scene um that have either been just in the minor leagues a long time or indie ball guys that just continue to perform well at each level don't blow you away with anything and i think barker has the opportunity to do that hopefully he gets the chance to make an appearance for the brewers so lots of names here we'll end on our, our final one Jason Alexander, like you said, on the taxi squad. Briefly here, what are what are what's the rundown on, on Alexander?
1: Yeah, Alexander relies heavily on a Vulcan change. So a pitch that that is not super common across Major League Baseball, kind of a hybrid between a splitter and a changeup. And he's been pitching at Triple A Nashville this year. Actually more of a starter. Nine games, but seven starts, 47 innings. And he's a 2.64 ERA. 33 strikeouts, a little bit lower than, than the league average, but just 12 walks, so he is limiting the base runners that way to so help offset a little bit for the lack of strikeouts. And he is 6-2, so he has that's kind of interesting. He's earned a decision in all but one of his, his outings. Um, not that that really means anything as far as whether or not he should get called up, but still kind of interesting to note. And he's someone that we could see, I doubt, as a starter in the major leagues but somebody who is a a bullpen guy who can maybe provide a little bit of length, similar to Luis Perdomo.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is exactly the reason that David Stearns and the Brewers' front office, they have to plan for the additional injuries that we've seen and make sure that they've got depth both in the rotation and in the bullpen, and really offensively. I know we haven't ran into issues as much. Adames and Urias' injuries not really overlapping, so that certainly helped. Could even see, uh, if, if we did see another injury, a player go down perhaps maybe a Bryce 2 appearance I don't know we'll see I was just taking a look at prospects as we were talking about Ethan small small like you said Brewers top pitching prospect I think the Brewers top I think it's 13 prospects uh, he's the only pitcher so Brewers obviously a lot of position players in there Brewers number one prospect I'll, I'll just briefly run down on on some of the, the top guys and how they've been performing so far Sal Freelich, uh highly anticipated prospect for the Brewers outfielder start of the year in high a hitting very well 291 batting average, 847 OPS as an outfielder. Uh, got the call up to Double A Biloxi. Hasn't been hitting as well, um, but just 14 games and 64 at bats thus far with a 637 OPS. So we'll see how he settles into Double A. I think it's pretty likely that that Freelich will spend the year in Double A, uh, barring significant uh, p- offensive performance. But I think it's pretty likely he'll he'll spend the year there in Double A, assuming things go well. Maybe we see him in Triple A next year. Uh, would you agree with that, uh, with Freelick?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's probably pretty reasonable.
0: Yeah, Brewers' number two prospect, Joey Weimer, another outfielder, uh, certainly has been in the news as far as the Brewers' farm system. He's been off to a great start this year. He started the year in Biloxi, uh, which was his first year there last year, uh, making it to high A. Um, and in Biloxi, he's hitting 291, 365, 587 uh, slash line, uh, good for a 952 OPS. Uh, again, 43 games. For Weimer, uh, really has been hitting the ball well, 12 home runs, so good things that we're seeing from Weimer. Um, anything else that you'd add?
1: He also has 12 steals so far, so in 43 games, that's very good ratio. He had 30 stolen bases last year um, in, in the minors, so excellent. Also, not just a, a power guy, one-dimensional, but also can feel this position a little bit, and... Uh, his arm is is outstanding, too. He's got a 70-grade arm on here. I think he was up to 97 off the mound in college.
0: Yeah, I think he didn't he close some games out back in college. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. I thought I remembered the, the good arm from Weimer. Uh, Brewer's number three prospect, Garrett Mitchell, another outfielder. Um, off to a little bit of a slower start. Uh, he is also in Biloxi. So at this point, Freelich, Weimer, and Mitchell all in Biloxi, all outfielders. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, like I said, off to a slower start, 224, 331, 346, slash line good for a 677 OPS across about 30 games uh, for Mitchell, that is, just two home runs. So still trying to find his stride. Off to a little bit of a slow start. And then finally, Brewers' number four prospect, who I mentioned, Bryce Turang. Maybe we'll see him come up this year. I think it's uh, probably more likely if we saw Urias or Adames or both go down at the same time, With especially with Jace Peterson having a, a relatively good year, which I think surprised both of us. We weren't expecting him to continue to play uh, relatively well like he has. Uh, but possible that we see two rang, two rang, a middle infielder, shortstop, second baseman uh, in Nashville here for the second year. But so it has made big improvements uh, this year's slash line 280, 332, 385. Again, as a middle infielder, pretty good numbers in AAA. So it's possible that we'll see two rang this year. I think those other three outfielders will, will be some time before we see them at American Family Field. But I think 2022 could be the year for Bryce two If it's not this year, uh, hopefully next. But that's just a, a quick kind of peek into the Brewers' top prospects brewers have a little bit of a thinner farm system at this point after some of the trades that they've pulled off in the last couple of years um, but again overall happy to see the brewers top prospects starting the, the year off pretty well offensively so we had kind of 12 random players of the day today uh, with jason alexander luke barker peter Strzelecki, all those names so we'll, we'll skip over the random player of the day for today our trivia question david minimum 50 plate appearances which brewers player leads the team in ops so it was a pretty tough
1: one. I'm
0: going to go with Hunter Renfro. Renfro is actually the leader, uh, according to um, the the minimums for the major league minimum, I guess you could call it. I think it's 3.1 plate appearances per game played. Uh, I don't know where I pulled that one out. But uh, Renfro is actually tied with Rowdy Telez for the leader uh, in, in OPS, if you're looking at that metric. But believe it or not, the leader... With minimum fifty plate appearances is none other than Keston Hira, a name we are all very familiar with. Keston has continued to strike out and not hit for a very well average, but when he hits the ball, it goes a long way. So he's been hitting a lot of home runs, a lot of extra base hits, has been slugging. So it's been it's been good to see the success that that uh, Keston Hiura has been able to have. Hopefully he's able to. I think he does need to reduce the strikeouts down further. Uh, still low forties, if I if I recall, uh, low forty percent strikeout rate, um, but some good signs, I guess, to, to see from Keston Hero so far.
1: I wonder how differently the narrative would be if Hero was like 6'4", 245 or something. Like if you were hitting like this, I think people would be like, okay, I mean, maybe bring the strikeout rate a little bit down, which of course we all want him to do that as well. But because he's like 5'9", 200, everybody expects him uh, to be somebody who will... I mean, we know that he had, he's he got the power, but I think most people think he's more of a gap-to-gap guy. And while he is doing a little bit of that, he's really been more of a kind of a Joey Gallo-type hitter with the opposite build and the opposite frame that you would expect out of somebody... That hits
0: like that yeah that's a good point i think it also would have been different if we didn't have the rookie year that that he had i mean he was outstanding pretty much the brewer's best offensive player during the season that he was up and in the lineup every day so that was i think he also set the expectations so high and even if you do expect some you know regression after his first year it's been a little bit more significant for him but again here a slashing 254 353 and 508 slugging like i said good for an 861 ops and if we were looking at his splits, I'm not looking at them right now. But if I recall, hero has been hitting right-handed pitching very, very well, left-handed uh, very poorly. So kind of that that backwards split guy. Um, so Brewers hopefully will continue to obviously see that um, and play to his strength, get him in the lineup against righties um, as well. And I mean, frankly, if, if if he does put up a year like this, there is still value to that, especially now that the Brewers have a DH. And if you think about a guy like that off the bench, almost a Russell Brannion-esque Option off the bench. Let's not
1: disrespect Keston too (laughs) much.
0: (laughs) So, Keston Hira, um, the answer to today's trivia question again, uh, just as a reminder the trivia question minimum 50 plate appearances. What player leads the Brewers in OPS? Again, Keston Hira, our answer today. So, David, any final thoughts here today uh, as we're in the midst of the Brewers doubleheader against the Cubs?
1: There are a number of role players that the Brewers have that offensively have been a little bit better than I would have realized. Um, just kind of watching them play and, and looking at the numbers, or b- b- I should say, before I looked at their numbers, Mike Brasso hitting two eighty one, three fifty nine on base, four fifty six slugging, and in a low offensive environment, that's good for thirty one percent above league average. Um, Keston, we talked about has been has been playing pretty well. Jace Peterson, even though his slash line is his his hitting numbers have been a little bit below league average, he's provided some good solid defense at third base, and he has walk 12% of the time, which on base Jace, that's what, that's what we can kind of count on from Jace Peterson. And you would expect the 254 Babbitt that he has to improve a little bit. So I think the Brewers are kind of being, maybe not held together, but they're, they're definitely being supported by some of these guys that weren't expected to play big roles going into the year. But with some of the injuries they've had, Adames, Renfro, even Kutch going on the COVID list, and Kane and Wong both underperforming offensively, it has been important to have these guys step up and kind of fill in those roles where they have needed them to. Yeah,
0: I I think that's a good point you bring up. I think we have taken a little bit of that for granted. And it certainly doesn't hurt when you've got some of the best pitchers in all of baseball uh, pitching for you as well. So Brewers in a great spot. Like I said, Brewers in the midst of a doubleheader as we record this today on Monday, Memorial Day, May 30th. Brewers will have two more games uh, following today on Tuesday and Wednesday at Wrigley against the Cubs and then against the Padres again, this time at home for a four-game set Thursday to Sunday. So hopefully Brewers continue to keep on their role, build that three-and-a-half-game lead in the National League Central. And as they continue to do that, we'll have you covered here. As always, this is Peter and David Go signing off from the Bleeding Blue and Yellow Podcast. Go Brewers! Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below. See you next time.